0: are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of it's all possible a bigger audience more impact and a new revenue stream we'll
1: show you how I'm Jenny Barcelos and I'm Sandy Connery and this is the soulful MBA podcast <laughs> everyone. Welcome to episode 49 of the Soulful MBA podcast. Today's episode is called Embodiment. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy.
0: Hey, Jenny. Hey,
1: everybody. And we're here to talk to you about brands and embodiment and a conversation that we've been having for a few months now. And we think it would it's time to start to openly, publicly have this conversation in our community. So, Sandy, this theme of embodiment came about this summer for us as we were starting to feel I think a little bit disillusioned in our businesses and starting to feel like something was off right and we hired a couple of business coaches we've had private sessions now with a couple of sort of feminist business coaches which has been really impactful and powerful for us. In one of these situations, this topic came up to us. Um, It was sort of suggested to us that we were not doing the best job embodying our brand, sort of bringing ourselves into our brand. So what do you think about that, Sandy? What does embodiment mean to you?
0: I remember it was Kelly Deals that we were working with at the time, and she said that about our Facebook page. And I remember thinking, I I don't even know what you're talking about. What do you mean embody your brand? It was so foreign to me. And so since then, I've been thinking about it a lot, and we've done some things to improve that, and we're continuing to work towards that. So what I think it means, now that I've contemplated this for the last couple of months, I think it means that you really have to be a part of your brand. You have to be a part of what actually sells your product or service or sells your brand. And I think the best definition I can come up with is that you are the full equivalent of your brand. So for example, you need to show up with your values, your behavior, even your appearance, um, and that all of that equals your brand. So if you are you know, talking about selling a product about, I don't know, six pack abs, then you probably should have six pack, you know, like, otherwise, you're not equivalent to your brand. And so I think for the most part in wellness, which is typically our audience, I think most people are fairly good at it. But I think it's, we can push it a little bit farther, other than just posting videos of or photos of us on Instagram, I think there's another step with talking about beliefs and, you know, really stepping into the values and showing behavior behind our brand.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, I will also just say part of the reason why I am troubled or was troubled all summer um, is because I read a blog post about how software companies are essentially commodities. And something about this this article rubbed me the wrong way. And so a commodity, we've talked about commodities before when we've referenced pricing and suggestions to our clients around pricing, but a commodity is simply an interchangeable item for sale in the marketplace where the only real difference is price. And I intuitively sort of like pushed back against this because I felt like, this absolutely is, feels wrong to me, because I've poured my heart and soul into this company for three years, our software company. And to me, like this is not interchangeable. Like, and there's this whole premise that like it's really inexpensive to develop online products or to develop SaaS products now, and it's really easy to copy people. I actually don't think that's true, by the way. No, I don't either. Um, but but like it really started to affect me that like it, as much as I felt like I had put myself and my being into this company that from the outside that it was interchangeable with any other sort of online teaching or learning platform. And so when we had that call with Kelly, it was like my, like, like the, it's like the clouds broke and the sun started to peek through for me because I started to realize that um, it didn't have to be that way. But also I started to realize that, that even though I felt like we were pouring our soul into this company, Sandy, our hearts and our best selves, it wasn't necessarily from the outside obvious to other people that we were doing that. It was a lot of one-on-one client interaction and the back, you know, and sort of the back end dealing with support and um, our inboxes and our Facebook group and our, and like all the private messages and emails we get from our community and client base But publicly, we were still sort of like holding ourselves, our product out as this like, I don't know. A step removed from us as this as this almost commodity for sale. And it started for me to feel um, the word integrative. Also was coming up for me a lot like I I wanted us to be more integrated into what we're doing in our company in a more public way because it's already happening behind the scenes and yet for some reason I think you and I are both afraid to step into the brand more fully because you know it's it's not just like we have an online course or you know, some a membership site. We also have a software company, and I think there's 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 this fear that I had that like I don't want to be the face of a software company. Like I'm, not, people aren't supposed to be the face of a software company, and yet in our case, I think it makes perfect sense. Now that I've had some time to think about it.
0: There was a disconnect for me to being software and why should we put pictures of ourselves on our Instagram, for example? What does that have to do with the software? But I now understand that it has a lot to do with who we are and why people would want to do business with us. And as i've said so many times that, that there has to be a level of trust before someone is going to purchase no matter what you're selling and i think if they see us and they hear from us and they see how we live and you know our challenges even and our struggles and our wins and our lives that there is a uh there is so much more trust built up they want it they are choosing to do business with these with these two women that they now like and trust right as opposed to a faceless company
1: yeah and, and you know to, to sort of hammer that home, we intentionally have chosen to have this kind of domineering control over our company. Like we, we've, we chose to walk away from external funding and investment, um, in part because we wanted to control the direction of this company. And we also have chosen to take tasks back on personally that we had previously outsourced to employees or contractors um, because we wanted to exert our control over the brand, the writing, the like the blogging, the social media, like we've started to take bits and pieces back, um, you and I ourselves, because we want to control the message and we want to be the face of the company. And it's it sort of started to happen, I feel like, a year ago, you know, a year and a half ago that we started to make this transition. And now it's just coming full force home. And it feels right. I mean, it it feels like. What we're trying to do is to build a new kind of a new kind of software company, and we're trying to build a new kind of business that doesn't, like there aren't a lot of other software startups that look like ours in the sense that we're trying to grow at a, at a certain rate. We're not trying to grow wildly fast too quickly. We're also, I mean, we're obviously still trying to grow and are growing, but it's it's an intentional growth, right? Where we can still maintain the kind of connection to our clients that we feel is important for them. Um, and that's radically different than I think what is expected of us in the startup space. So um, having our own embodiment into the company, to me, just like it it sort of just takes it home because now, in addition to us actually doing the work and being present to our clientele, we also in our marketing can do that as well. And it just gives us the freedom to do that because, you know, it's it, there is a period where You know, we had social media managers and we had people managing our blog, and we had a lot of stock photography going on. And there was a certain brand and message that we were trying to promote, but it didn't ever feel right to me,
0: ever. It was cold
1: cold we're always questioning it and changing it and I'm sure everyone on our team was exhausted because I was always like I don't think this is right we need to change this again and the reason why I was doing that is because it wasn't authentically us right Mm -hmm. and I because I didn't think we could be authentically us.
0: Well it's hard right like to put your photo or your image of yourself on social like who who cares like who's gonna care but they do and I've kind of been experimenting with that as you know on our social feeds and the engagement and the comments are so much higher when we put a, a picture of you and I at an event or uh whatever we're doing in our lives so it's it's interesting um and I also want to mention about the the stock photography that we just did a uh coaching session with one of our teachers on Namastream and your the first words so we usually do kind of an audit of their website in that process and your first words were like get rid of the stock photography so she you know she's this wonderful woman who lives in the interior of BC and and has this gorgeous setting and um, there is all these sort of fake cold not her images that were very beautiful but were absolutely not representing what she who she is and how she lives and her messaging but we're thought you know we use these because we think that's what it should look like right like we want to have a beautiful young long-haired flowing in the wind woman doing yoga or whatever um, and so even though the photography may not be um, as good as something on a stock photography, it's it, she's going to switch them out to being her and her classes and her people, and it's so much more real. And the, the word again is cold, like it was just disconnected and cold from her, what who she is and what she's representing. So we have yeah nixed all the um, stock photography,
1: almost all of it. There's there, there's there are places yeah there are places a few places, but but we're also very I'm very careful and I personally curate any of it so here's where the commodity thing comes up though Sandy with reference to what you're saying I feel like if you are a yoga teacher for example because that's the example we're using um, with this particular client if you're a yoga teacher um, and you have a bunch of stock photographies from Shutterstock or some other you know online stock resource center and like the chances are like there are a lot of other people in your job title that are gonna have the same pictures, right? Or almost the same pictures on their sites. And that's when the commodity stuff starts to happen. That's when you start to seem interchangeable with others. Like people go to your website and they see something that they've just seen on another website. How are they gonna choose who to take a class with online, they're gonna, like you've all of a sudden merged into the same brand and they're gonna pick the one that's cheaper. And I I think like the way that you stand out in a very crowded internet economy is that you start to be different, right? Like you own your differences that you already have. Like you own who you are and what makes you unique. And we're not saying anything radical here. We're just saying like own it. And you know, this goes back to the podcast we did a few weeks ago on on substance where we were talking about flat lays right like if you are a life coach um why on earth would you be taking pictures of like gold staplers on a pink desk like that's the kind of stuff we're talking about like there what is the like where's the meat there where's the substance where's you where is you like how are you present in that image and I think this is just a constant reminder to, to sort of, you know, think about what do you post on your personal feed? Like st- like it, you don't need to publicly post pictures of your family or your pets or whatever if you don't want to. But like what is it that captures your attention? So maybe you want to take a photograph of your morning cup of coffee on your porch. Um, and maybe it's not going to be as pink and glittery as that gold stapler, but it's actually your life. <laughs> and, and you know, we're we're voyeuristic because increasingly we we live a, a significant part of our lives online, which is problematic, but it's it's the truth. And so, I think we're all kind of hungry to have a taste of what somebody's real life is. It's why we love reality television. I mean, it's it's why we love Instagram. There's like this intimacy that comes from peeking into somebody's life. I don't need to look at somebody's stock photo. Like, why? I don't need to see that. It doesn't give me any information.
0: You know who's really good at this? Jenny is um, specifically on Instagram is Danielle Joseph from Hello Function. She has a great, um, her photography is beautiful. It's all her and her dog and her, you know, on her bed and her computer and her mug of coffee. But there's something so genuine about it that I just love Looking at her um, her feed, and she does it so so well. She's a great example. So her um, she's at at Hello Function, I believe, right?
1: Yeah. And just for transparency's sake, Danielle is also one of our designers, and she is responsible for our podcast rebrand. So for those of you who've been commenting and sending us notes about the new design and the logo, um, Danielle is the one who's responsible for that, and she did a phenomenal job. So big ups to Danielle I know she listens to the podcast (laughs) yes we we love her work so yeah I think she's an example of someone who is you know a regular person who has a brand and who has a following and is like really truly embodying herself and she also has really good taste so I think she's a good example (laughs) I mean that's what she has really good taste right and a good she's a designer she has great aesthetic a sense of aesthetic but um I mean I think so so but it's not just about imagery right so we we talked about there's at the beginning there's three elements of embodiment that we are personally working on and I just want to hammer those home so that people know that it's not just about the images so the the first element is like your story or your in your writing. the second element is is your actual your image, your face, your likeness, what the imagery you're putting out into the world and then the third are your values um, and so, let's maybe go through these one by one sandy the first one is about writing and so the the what you teach when you teach copywriting is to write in your own voice so when you're mm-hmm. writing about your brand be you know speak in your own voice write how you speak and I think that's part of embodiment as well
0: yeah and it's your life and your take on life and your thoughts and it's all good it's all okay to, to speak however you you know whatever you're, you're Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, experiencing, it's okay. And that's what people want from you. And as soon as that word should, well, I should write it this way or I should do it that way because that person did it, that's when you get into trouble and people can spot that a mile away. So yeah, just be yourself. Tell your own stories. Um, Actually, I'm going to give you another example. One of our teachers, Jen Wendy, I just got – I'm on her email list. And she just wrote the most beautiful um, newsletter about the struggles that she's been having being sick over the last month Mm -hmm. or so and how she thought she was doing so well and she realized the mistakes that she made. And this is the stuff that she teaches – and she was so real about it. You know, this was not some conjured up story to sell a program. This was like what she was actually experiencing. And it makes me love and adore her even more because she was so raw and honest about her actual experiences. So that's what we're talking about. Tell your own personal stories in whatever light they're in. Don't spin it in any way. Yeah,
1: I love that. And then speak your own words, right? So there are certain words which we've, we've talked about. There's certain words I would never say. They just rub me the wrong way. I have a certain way of writing and speaking. So like for example the word biz, b i z as a an abbreviation for business, really like it's fine if somebody else is that person who speaks like that, but I have banned that <laughs> that word from our copy because I can't stand it personally and I don't feel like I because we are, are our brand, I can't put that out there as something that's, you know, the way we speak. So there's it, like if there's something that isn't the way you speak, Um, Don't put it in your copy. And the other thing is like your email signature. I write my email signature even in our newsletter. I sign it the way I would sign a personal message. And so I'm maybe a little more formal. That's just how I am with people. And so that's how I send out our newsletter. And, you know, it goes against some of like the conventions and copywriting for, you know, how to get, how to write your email signature. Uh, Like I'm way more formal. Like I remember Sandy when we were, (laughs) we were in our entrepreneurship program where we met, and we were studying copywriting. And there was, (laughs) there was like this really informal, like masculine way that we were taught to write copy, and it just it made me crazy. I couldn't stand it because it's just absolutely never the way I would write to a friend or to anyone, right? So I couldn't do that. And and we have absolutely been focused on embodying our own way of speaking into our copy this podcast is brought to you by the namastream software platform namastream is a tool designed to help you teach train and coach from anywhere on the planet if you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level you can learn more at namastream.com The second element of embodiment that we want to talk about is imagery. We've talked about that. Essentially, take pictures or use pictures of things from your real life or things that are really important to you. And also include your face somewhere, because people connect to faces. That's ingrained in our DNA, that we connect to each other through our faces.
0: I just want to make one more point on the the appearance. I think, uh, and this is all of Kelly Deal's work, and we've referenced her blog before, but she's the one who's like, we need to show up however we look. Like, there is not this way that we need to aspire to look before we actually put our face on our website. And so I think the more that we do that, the whatever skin tone we are, or whatever shape or size we are, it is what we are. Like, let's just put it out there. You know, I've got. Crow's feet on my eyes. I'd rather not have those on Instagram, but there they are because that's what age I am. You know, I think there's a lot of hiding, and I just wish that we wouldn't do that to ourselves. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's no need to hide. And I will also just add, since it's incredibly distracting to me, I just got my child two kittens from the animal shelter and they're in my office because they need to be around a person and they're batting things around and being all kinds of loud. So if you hear a funny sound in the podcast episode in full transparency, it's because hashtag real life is going on in the background and Mm -hmm. there are baby, little baby black kittens batting stuff around on the floor underneath my feet. Okay, so that's sort of your writing and your story, and also your image and your appearance, and then the third element of embodiment is values. Um, So this is in some ways the hardest I feel like to do. Like you're, you know, you may be thinking like, how do I take my values and infuse them into my business, or maybe how how is a business even possible to, like, how's it even possible for a business to have values? Like, that's what I used to think before I had one. <laughs> um, but but it's really important, right? And so part of this is working through your core values. And we, we have a core values lesson and module inside Soulful MBA, inside our course. But essentially, the way that that module works is that we want you to sit down and we give people like a straw man of a list of values. We want you to start to think about what are the most important values to you, like figure out the top 10 values and then we have you narrow that down further to the top three. And so everything you do in your business and you know, also in your life should be a reflection of those three values. We encourage everyone, including ourselves, to revisit those values every six months or so because we're allowed to evolve. Like
0: that's part of being a a human being. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example of that. So for me personally, and I think for our brand, the one of them, one of the values is truth. And so if we say, like to stick to our word. So if we say that something is ending at midnight, like we just finished um, a launch for uh, becoming an inner circle member, if we say it's ending at midnight Eastern Standard Time, if you we take the page down at, you know, midnight, and at 1201, if you try to join, it's done, it's over. So that is something like if 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 I say something as a company, we are going to follow through with it, and that's just one example where where we would actually just to show you how a company can sort of, you know, exert an, a value.
1: Yeah, and this has to do with keeping your word. You mm-hmm. know what, Sandy? This conversation reminds me also of the book, The Four Agreements. Yeah, which we referenced before. I think in our episode yeah. on partnership, maybe yeah. or yeah. So that's also. If you're thinking about how to infuse values into your business, or, or like how to better understand how to do that, that's a really good resource too. If you haven't read the Four Agreements, um, we'll include that in the show notes as well. You know, I I think the another way to understand the way that values come into play in business is to understand where you know, there are public examples of a breakdown. <laughs> and we mm. were talking about when we were when we were brainstorming this podcast, we were talking about there are a few, especially recently, there are a few big public instances where companies' values come into play publicly, where maybe the brand and the image uh, of the business get threatened because the, the company's not really living into those values. And so, Sandy, you brought up Lululemon.
0: Yeah, I was... Um- doing some reading on this whole idea of embodiment and came across this story again, where uh, it's a number of years ago, but the CEO at the time for Lululemon had made a comment that not all uh, women's bodies look good in their product. Um, And so he ended up having to step down because of that statement.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people in our wellness world were outraged when that happened. And there was a huge backlash against Lululemon for that. And rightfully so, right? Because that there's an incongruence there between the public values that the company holds itself to and then the behavior of senior employment. Um, another instance that I wanted to bring up actually has to do with the hustle for today. So we'll go ahead and dive in. And that has to do with a documentary that I saw on Netflix. That's available for anyone in the states. And if it's if you're not in the states, you can just look up the. It's called Burt's Buzz. It's a documentary about the founder of Burt's Bees. And if you've not seen this, it's in your. You know, you're in business. This is a really powerful film to watch because it tells the story of this man who was living sort of almost off the grid in Maine in a cabin in rural Maine and raising bees and, and making these lip balms and selling them from a roadside stand. And sort of what happened when he brought on a business partner and the, and the company started to grow. And then he was eventually sort of pushed out of the business. And now there's this like multi-billion dollar company that's operating with his face all over it. And he still has a relationship to the brand where I think he gets paid some nominal amount to go make public appearances. And he's this, you know, he's this man who's rather, I think, he's rather reclusive and he wants to be in his cabin. And yet he's fundamentally tied to this global billion dollar company where they need him basically to be the public face of this brand. Otherwise, the brand is essentially, you know, like useless. And, and so if you haven't seen that film, I encourage everyone to watch it. It's kind of a sad story. It's like he's the facade, right? Like- yeah. Yeah, and because it, it's not him anymore, right? It's like the company ended up getting bought by some huge other brand. I can't remember yeah some other huge corporation and he, you know you see him like going into like target headquarters in minnesota and like handing out lip balm in the hallway to people and like people just walk by him and he goes to taiwan and there's all these like young taiwanese p- children in like bee costumes like screaming at the <laughs> airport like so he's a member weird. of the Beatles or something like it's so weird but it's also just this like I think part of the appeal of this company is that it's like this guy in Maine raising bees, right? And that was what it was at one point, but it's not anymore. And the brand still needs that story in order to be successful. And, um, and I think you know, that's a story that's about growth and sort of growing beyond the initial founder and the ina- initial vision. But it's also just fundamentally a story about brand incongruence that I think is valuable for any of us who are starting to grow companies.
0: Yeah, and another um, good and positive uh, story or example of uh, living your brand is Sarah Wilson um, from Australia. And so she's going to be this week's um, joy. Um, So Sarah Wilson is, um, I believe she was a... reporter or some media personality in Australia. But she's now written uh, a series of cookbooks called I Quit Sugar, not the most interesting of uh, names, but it's very clear. And what I love about her and how she embodies her brand is that she is she in her cookbooks, they're obviously they're all her recipes and ideas, but they're photographed in her house. It is all her um, photos of herself cooking and in the streets of her t- hometown. She's famous for um, carrying a crockpot under her na- under her arm and going to someone's house with a something she made in her crockpot, and um, she just lives what she's um, talking about in the books, which is uh, cutting out sugar, and what also made her really real was that she recently admitted she's had some issues with anxiety. And so she wrote a whole entire book about it. And so we're going to make that the joy for this week. Um, and the book is called First, We Make the Beast Beautiful by Sarah Wilson. And it's a gorgeous little book. And I just love that she came out and said, here's what's really happening.
1: Yeah. And she has a particularly I think troubling form of anxiety. It's debilitating. I think at times, and I have a copy. It, this book is not officially out in North America, but I it came out in Australia last year, and I don't know if it's the same version or not. But I have a copy of it because I ordered the Australian version when it came out because I was so excited about it. And um, for everyone who doesn't have a copy, and if you're in North America, it's supposed to come out next April in April of 2018. Um, but it's it's a really powerful little story of, uh, you know, and it's an honest memoir an honest account of someone coming to terms with a mental illness and showing how you know how that illness is not it doesn't need to be remediated with pharmaceuticals anyway she has a whole agenda about that but it's it's really powerful and I I think you know, she's a great example of someone who has some amount of fame and a public brand who is just, like you said, completely embodying her brand, both in the good ways and the beautiful ways and also in the hard ways. And um, and I think anytime we're brave like that, and this is Brene Brown talking like, you know, anytime that we're we're authentic and brave and open about something, especially if it's hard, we give others permission to do the same. And so that's where the magic or the power happens because... When she's opening up publicly about her anxiety, she's giving someone else publicly or the opportunity to feel like, oh, it's a safe, you know, it's safe to do
0: this. Um, And that's really important. Yeah. And it makes you just want to, you know, connect with her, buy everything that she's offering, follow her because she's so real. And I really admire people who can do that. So that is this week's joy. The hustle's Burt's Buzz. The joy is
1: first we make the beast beautiful. And that's embodiment. So we look forward to seeing how all of you embody your brands. And we're going to continue to work on this concept of embodiment ourselves and our brand, both with Soulful MBA, our podcast, our course, as well as Namastream, our software company.
0: Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. soulful mba is not just the name of our podcast it's also the name of our premium business course and community if you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you then we've got something for you get soulful mba's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba slash sample